so maybe Katifi can go on the professional adverts. <laughs> you can start us off. Can I add, can I chime in on yeah. him and then a little yeah. and then? So this is the thing and I really get his heart and I hope you guys are really getting it too because sex is, you know, we call it, it's like fire, you know? Fire can warm your house but it can also burn it down. Solomon comes and says that, uh, this must be Ecclesiastes, he comes and says that do not awaken love before it's time, right? To imply that there is a time in which that love is awakened. Now, if you look at the context of what Solomon is speaking about, he's not talking about godly love, agape, right? He's talking about the eros, the love that we have between the romantic love, the one that comes from attraction. So he says, do not awaken this love before it's time, which means there is a time. And any time you talk about a time, it means there is a place and a person in which to awaken that thing. So the problem is that sex ignites certain needs. When you have sex with someone, there are some psychological needs that become activated. There are emotional needs that become activated. There are even spiritual and physical needs that become activated. Now the only place, the only environment where these needs can be fulfilled is in a context of marriage. There is a grace and a capacity that married people are given to fulfill those needs for one another. So if you're activating these needs and you are not in marriage, what happens now? Because you've had sex outside of marriage. So here you have emotional needs, psychological needs, physical needs, and spiritual needs. You've activated them. But you are not in an environment that enables you guys to fulfill or satisfy those needs. So what happens? You're left in a state of limbo. And in the futility of our thinking, what do we do? Ah, this person is no longer fulfilling these needs. Let me go look for someone else. Ah, this person is not doing it. So by the time you're done, you've jumped into different people trying to fulfill those needs. And psychology actually tells us that the more sexual partners you have, the more it destroys your capacity to commit. Such that even now you're serious. Now I want to settle. I want to find that person. You don't have the capacity or the strength within you to commit to that one person. You understand what I'm saying? And this is what we call soul ties, whereby you engage your emotions and, 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 and your soul to other people such that by the time you're ready to commit to the person God is bringing, your soul is still fragmented with all these people you've been engaging yourself with. So that's how bad it can be. All right? But just to, because some of you might be looking at me and you've already gone this far. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like, oh, now me, I'm done. I'll never enjoy my life. I'll never have a good marriage. Go get help. I'm sure all of you belong to a church somewhere where you can be able to access a pastor. Right. Richard here is really, I, I think you, you, you handle this in your Bible study. So he's, he's, he's able to help you with that, you know, in one or another. So get help. Don't get stuck in that cycle whereby you are now going into different places, messing yourself up even more. And something else also, sexual sin incapacitates your capacity to connect with God. I don't know if you guys knew that. All right? There is no way you will lie to me that you got up from fornication and you started praying in tongues and God gave you visions. 
and, and, and you started seeing, you know, different things. It doesn't happen. It really messes your spiritual capacity. So in case you've been there, please seek help. Don't get into marriage without that thing having been addressed. And the other thing you need to realize, sex does not heal last. I mean, sorry, marriage does not heal last. If you have a last problem and you get married without sorting that problem out, you'll be twice as lastful in marriage. The marriage does not get rid of the last. You have to deal with that thing before you jump into the marriage. I hope you are clear. Maybe yeah. on his question, um, and I have been in the Christian Union, and I think there's also a lady that asked about that. Um, when you are in a situation, and I think that is why I'm calling men to responsibility. I like the way that you say it's more of a potential you're considering. Have you prayed about it? Good. Now, if you have prayed about it, and I know we have done man enough, I think it's time to take responsibility. Just approach them and tell them, this is what is there. This is what I'm feeling. It's something I've prayed about. Leave it to them. Leave it to burn with them. You have already taken it out of you. And then, because it's something that you've prayed about, I'm sure God cannot be leading you to the wrong thing. I think I want to give an example with my wife. Uh, when I was in second year, you know, I had done some politics in campus. So I was very famous with people around, you know, delegate system and all that, and moving around, and, you know, those things you do in the union. And, and, and so girls were all over, and people were confused. Um, could it be that Richie is dating this girl or this girl? And I was like, no, me, I'm not dating. And the very day that I went to her and told her, by the way, I have been considering this and I've prayed about it, she, was, she didn't even have that of, I'm going to think about it. It was there and then. Yes, I've been praying about it, and I've been thinking that if you're not going to come for the next one month, <laughs> so in reality, you might find that that same thing that you're praying about, because it is important for us to acknowledge the fact that God has given us those feelings for that particular person. And I would encourage us to watch a sermon by one of my favorite pastors, John Carson, on marriage made in heaven. He clearly states some of the things that you need to look at from within to actually see, is God leading me to this person? So if you have asked yourself those questions, you have prayed about it kindly. Don't keep the sister waiting. Go there. Tell her what you need to tell her about the commitment that you want. If it is God who has led you, it will be a definite yes. And if it is a no, still all things are working for your good. Thank you. Okay. Uh, maybe, Soila, you can, you can respond to Marlene's question. Uh, she asked her, uh, especially concerning the ladies and uh, this view that at times they they are in that aka, aka situation. They are not so sure kama this other guy is really promising to come and and uh, or he's not yet also ready to approach me. And so how should they go about it, especially for you in your case? have a case. <laughs> I think Richard, has, it's for the man. I, I would never advise a woman to do the chasing. One, because when will you stop? 
you will say, can you be my boyfriend? Or I've been feeling, yet the guy, probably the guy is not ready actually. He's also considering a few things. But because you're in your place of, okay, you know what, I don't know if it's a situation or I desire this person, and then you run and say, you know what, is there anything happening here? And then out of pressure and everything, probably they say yes. And within themselves, they were not ready, and that's why probably they did not approach you. Or they were just shy. And what Richard has given to men, whether responsibility as a man, stand up, stop, define whatever that is. I, I don't know why you call it situation, it's complicated. You know, Kitambo Facebook used to have, it's complicated, I'm in a relationship, or I'm married. I don't understand when you say it's complicated. It's either there's something, or there's not. There's nothing. So don't, don't allow yourself to be in a state of you are not so sure where you are at because of lack of responsibility and commitment to whatever you want. It's either we are here or we are not. So allow the person to, have, to come. Even if it means, I don't know, that man, if he's willing to come and be with you, he will come and tell you. If he's not ready to come and be with you because of his own reasons, that is it. You will ask him to be your boyfriend, he will agree. He will keep you for 10 years and like, hey, now it's time to get engaged. Bro, when are you engaging me? Should you engage me now? You know. And they're like, okay, sawa. It's like that. You'll start proposing things even in marriage. You are the one who's initiating. Table stand. Now you are the one who's leading here instead of this other person leading. Allow the men the capacity to lead. They start taking the responsibility of leadership from the stage of actually um, cutting through a relationship from asking a woman out, would you be my girlfriend? And you know, these are our parameters of operation. These are my expectation of you as my girlfriend. And you, what are your expectations of me as your boyfriend? You know, we call ourselves believers. What is your expectation of me as your believing boyfriend? What is your expectation of me as your believing uh, uh, girlfriend? Spec them, like, speak them out. Leave nothing to chance, guys. You know, we said we'll talk about these things in marriage. We'll discuss these things in marriage. No, 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 no. Start now. And if you see, if you can see a level of lack of commitment in certain things, it's, it's just a show of how things will look like in the future. You see, Mtutu, Nikama Hananga stand in whatever, even in just deciding you're going to be my boyfriend or you're going to be, oh no, you're going to be my girlfriend. Even for the, for the lady, you're asked, you're like, I'm not so sure if I want to be you know, don't go insisting oh, you have to be, give them space. Even, I think, guys, we have to, mat to be mature in a way that if you're not ready to be with someone, spell it out as it is. Tell them I'm not ready because of one, two, three. See you unafanya ghosting, respond to messages, anakuja kwa what is that? Speak it out. You're a human being, 18 plus, speak it out. Learn to defend the things that you're feeling, or how the Spirit of God is leading you, not just accepting because you have been asked. You know, it has to be, there needs to be a witness within your heart about a particular, relationship is a very serious thing. You just don't fall for the sake of falling. And love is not blind, guys. If you think love is blind, it's not blind. That's not love, that's something else, that's deception. It sees a lot of, Christ allows you to see a lot of things. So that you just don't blindly, you're blindly led. You should not be blindly led. If a man is not committed to Christ, I don't know who is leading them. And they will lead you to whoever is leading them. They will lead you back to the world. I am submitted to my husband because I know who he's submitted to. He's submitted to Christ. So I know he's not leading me to Curtis, he's leading me to God. 
because of where he draws, his wellspring. So if I see him continuously drawing us as a family away from the things that feeds us, like the foundation of the word of God, I'm like, hey, there's something happening here. Either I will go in prayer myself. I'm like, Jehovah, this is your son who's supposed to be leading me. I'm seeing something different. I don't know how to approach this thing. Sometimes you're not even approaching the guy and telling them, you know, I'm supposed to do BCD. I should not have gone there, but yeah, let the person decide. And for the lady, okay, I think probably Gloria can take the career part. Okay, okay. I wanted to add on what Sailor said concerning the issue that one of us said concerning the men, the, the guys who are not saying anything, but you're in like a situation ship, which you've said there's nothing like a situation ship. Run away from it. For me, I would say there is a thrill in a man chasing a lead. I believe in that, honestly. And anyone who comes to me, the ladies coming to ask me, I'm in this situation where no one is saying anything. And of course, when you say no one, you are expecting the man to take responsibility. Again, you're going back to men taking responsibilities. I wouldn't want to ask to give pressure to the men. If someone is not ready, they won't say it. But once they are seeking God and they are sure about this, they would spell it out to you. And as long as a man has not made anything clear in terms of, I want us to take this path, ladies, I plead with you, never ever assume anything. I've seen ladies assume that they need to start taking up a role of a girlfriend in your setup, a girlfriend. They, 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 they want to, you know, help out. They want to bring food to this guy. Showing, start showing hints that this guy I know, w when I start doing these things, he will see that I'm also very willing to say yes to his proposal. And probably this guy is having you and maybe there's someone else they are looking. And you assume you are the one. And then at the end of it all, you're the one who will be disappointed. But by the fact this guy didn't say anything, they didn't define anything, you know, you will be blaming the guy for no good reason. So as long as we say, don't assume, never assume. You are just brother and sister in the Lord, full stop. <laughs> That's all. Thank yeah. you, thank you. Uh, I, just a minute. Mm -hmm. I have remembered because I think for me I've dealt especially with the questions that the men had asked. So the guy says, I've seen the lady and I'm not certain about how the future is going to look like. So um, I think that is part of the question you had asked. Uh, I want to say uh, what the Bible says in Matthew 6.33. Uh, when you seek first the kingdom of God and all uh, his righteousness, all these other things um, will follow you. So what you are trying to say here is um, as long as you have that commitment and it is something that you have put before God, you don't need to worry about the future. I want to give an example of both of us. So I graduated in 2019 same day with her. I went back to Kuala. She remained in Nairobi. I was running a business in Kuala for eight months. In those eight months, she had volunteered somewhere. 
and you know when you volunteer, you guys, for those who have not volunteered, I'm just preparing you also. They don't pay you anything. So for eight months, you're working post-COVID era. They're not paying you. You have needs. And then your parents know you're working somewhere, so they stop all the funding. So you can imagine how difficult it can be. But back then, because I was working, I would support her in terms of, in fact, I would send her 300 bob every day. Right, sweetheart? <laughs> so I would, say, I would send her 300 bob every day, and then I would tell her, that is for our savings, that is for, you know, support. And um, we, would, we, we started from there just supporting her because I knew actually this is someone I want to spend my life with. Come to November, not November, October, I quit what I was doing, came back to Nairobi to look for a job. Now when I'm coming to Nairobi to look for a job, it's not like I have somewhere I'm going to start from. I absolutely have nothing. She has started working. She supported me for four months with my rent and my food and my fare for four months because I had also volunteered where I was working. Okay? We get to marriage. We are working and work stops sometime back in July. I'm not working, but she's at work and we are a family. She would still stand in for the family. Gets to some point, her contract is out and I'm working. I still support her. So some of these things, there is no way that has been defined on, on how these things are going to go. But as long as the two of you have had that purpose and committed it to God, trust you me, God will provide a way for you. And that is the good thing of when both of you have decided to pursue God together, even as you walk through that journey. So do not be anxious about all of all things that are going to come after campus, just leave it to God and you'll make your way straight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I am enjoying the session and learning a lot. Assuming things, uliguza nabu. Yeah, tuli assume na character development ilitupiga. So stay tuned for session two guys it's it's interesting it's interesting yeah we can have a 10 minute break and then come back for session two the session so far and i hope you are uh i don't know the panelists how is the session so far how do you find it <laughs> i personally um i'm learning mm -hmm. there is so much that i didn't know actually and i love that you invited us it's we appreciate that you invited us to be with Akina Soila. So mm. we're really learning a lot from them mm. and to even hear your questions and just having this conversation really is not only us speaking to them, but it's a, 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 it's a learning process for mm. all of us. Mm. Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, one of us from the Wamalwas. <laughs> I think she has spoken for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Uh, so I noticed we didn't tackle to a question from the previous session, and maybe we can begin with that. Uh, Curtis, I think you can answer this one for us, about intimacy in a relationship. You know, you're not in marriage yet. And uh, in to what level can a Christian be romantic, uh, can be romantic in a, in a, in a relationship? Yeah, I see you guys. <laughs> 
were addressed. Yeah, we can answer that question you've asked. Uh, I think it was asked by the, the guy in blue. Yeah. 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 Whether guys in the CU. Okay. Yeah. Ladies in the house, do you think Christian men are boring? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think the question, what makes the men outside the CU more exciting? Okay, um, I, I will attempt to answer that. I will not answer, I will attempt, okay? Um, how many of you have watched the video I proposed to Soila? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll answer it from the context of that experience. For me, to be romantic is... I, my definition of romance is very simple. Just be intensely kind. Alright? If you're kind to someone with intensity, they'll find it romantic. So, the first thing is understand who this person is. If they are an introverted person, why do you want to propose to them in front of the streets? Alright? And then it, you are told no, and then you blame her. But who told you? Alright? So I would say the first step of being romantic is, number one, know who this person is. Know what makes them happy, what, what pleases them. The way I proposed to Sohela, it was in uh, 2015. So we had gone, in our church, at that time we used to have these dinners. So every end of the year, uh, we go for this dinner. None of us was married. We were a church of young people. So every end of the year, we go for this dinner. We just pick a hotel. We go have a dinner, enjoy ourselves, and we close the year that way. So this specific... Uh, time we had gone to i think it closed eh? there was a hotel in uh, westlands i'm forgetting the name so we had gone there and we we're having our dinner so the manager of the hotel comes and says uh, so guys you guys you've come in a specific time we are doing a few events so part of the things that you are doing sorry part of the things that you are doing is we're going to give you guys challenges we're going to pick three random couples give them a challenge, whoever wins the challenge gets to win something, you know, uh, like a new dessert they were trying to launch or whatever. So I happened to be one of the people who were picked. So the first person was told to climb a tree to prove how much they love this lady, of course they didn't climb. The second one was asked to dance, you know, of course they didn't dance. Now, all this was orchestrated by me, you know, me and the manager we met, we staged the whole thing. Nobody knows, all right? So they pick me and they're like, oh, okay, so for you, uh, the challenge you'll do to prove your love for this person, there's something we've hidden under the swimming pool. So you have to go under the swimming pool and pick it. It's around 7 p.m. at night. So if I came with a, with a change of clothes, it would be suspicious. So I entered the swimming pool with my suit just the way I was. So entered the swimming pool with my suit. I pretended I'm looking for this thing. Of course, I know where it is, but you have to be dramatic. So I pretended I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm going from one end of the pool to the other. And then eventually, ah, I saw it. So I go pick it up. I come out of it. Everybody's cheering me. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> so I come out of the water. We go to a place. There was a clearing there. So. We are trying to open this thing. So Eliza's also trying to open because she's excited. What dessert is this that this person has, has won? So we are opening this thing. We are opening this thing. They've brought a pair of scissors. We are cutting it open. Only for 
me to finally remove it and it's a ring and I put it on a plate and I bow, I, I kneel down <laughs> and I ask her. I actually didn't ask, I just kneel down and I show her the plate. So she actually looked at her plate for like 16 seconds, 15 seconds. It's not clicked to her what's happening. So she looks at this plate and there's a ring and then eventually she's like, ah, this is a proposal. So just before she's about to answer, somebody comes, grabs her, puts her on a chair, they grab me, they put me there, they clear the place, a flash mob comes in and we start dancing. Music is there, we put, we dance, we dance, we dance, I pull moves. Now guys, I'm not a dancer. But for this specific occasion, had I had to convince <laughs> my two left feet that they can do this thing. And they did. So everything happened after that. I gave the speech. And as I said, the rest is history. Now I've just summarized it. You can watch it on YouTube. Just look for a video of guy jumps into the pool with a tuxedo, something like that. <laughs> and so Ella was, she had no words. She was crying. You know, she's trying to speak. She's just crying there and all that. So probably she'll tell you how she felt. But a lot of people were happy with that. Now for me, the simple thing with being romantic is just think of this person. Would Soila like to see me dance? Yes, okay, I went for dance practice. I practiced for six months with some of my friends. Uh, does Soila like being celebrated in front of people? Ah, good, we'll do it where we have a couples from church, blah, blah, blah. Would Soila like this and that? So you just think of what does this person like? And then you do it with intensity. If they like a bar of chocolate, don't bring that car, P.S. You know that one called P.S.? Yeah. Uh, they call it P.S. <laughs> Buy a whole thing, you know. If they like flowers, why bring one stick of a rose? Buy a whole bouquet, all right? And of course, it depends on your capacity. Don't take your entire school fee saving when the helicopter so that you can do what, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to end well for you. So just figure out what does this person like and then do that thing more often. Of course, I like the boundaries that were shared by, by Richard. Anything that would put you in a compromising situation, avoid. That one is ro not romance. That is temptation. All right? <laughs> romance is safe. Temptation is not safe. So if, 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 if you're trying to be romantic and then the ideas that are coming to your head is, ah, I'll cook for her dinner and then invite her into my house and then you'll watch a movie, just the two of us. My friend, by the time you're done, you'll have acted your own movie, <laughs> all right? And it's not going to be a good ending for you. So avoid anything that will compromise your purity, anything that will lead you into temptation. If it is a must that you cook for her, so Eli and I did this a lot, have other friends on, all right? Anytime I wanted to cook something special for her, I would always call a f uh, two, two of our friends who are also dating, just for accountability. I'm like, hey, I want to cook for Soila, so you guys come. You know, just to have, to reduce the temptation that are going to be there. Uh, the other thing about intimacy is, it's important to understand that intimacy is mostly a, a factor of the heart, all right? It begins with the heart. You can be intimate with someone. You, you know how we talk and we say being intimate with God, all right? Intimacy is not necessarily sexual. You can be intimate with person, purely, with a person purely, without it going the sexual route. So just avoid anything that put you into temptation. I loved the idea that he gave of not hugging for long. Understand your limitations. Stop fighting with your body. 
your body knows how it was made. Stop insisting that we can hug for long na kuna kitu nitasikia. Why are you lying? <laughs> All right? If you know your limit is holding hands, that the moment we hold hands for five seconds, we feel strange fires. Don't hold hands. Okay? There are people who can hold hands and be okay. For you, if you know that that is too far for you, accept it. You don't need to prove a point to anyone. Understand? So just know your boundaries. The other thing I usually say is talk about sex. Okay? I'm not saying you sex chat. That's a different thing. But talk about sex. Discuss this thing. This thing called sex. Talk about it. Have you had experiences in the past? Now, you're not talking about it in a way that stirs you guys up. You're talking about it in a way that you understand each other's boundaries. You understand each other's limitations. If Soyla is honest with me and she tells me, hey, every time you put your arm on my shoulder, I feel a certain way. If I truly love her, I will not do that. Because I know it makes her feel a certain way. All right? But if she doesn't talk, how will I know? Every time we meet, ah, niaje, kumbe anaumia. You know? So discuss this thing. Just learn to be kind. Be kind to this person in a way that you know them. The reason why friendship is important is that what might be romantic for this group, example, for example, <laughs> right? What might be romantic for them might not be romantic for them. All right? For one couple, romance is simple, going and watching a movie. For another couple, that, that won't do anything for them. It might be, ah, let's go watch some animals at the orphanage. So understand this person knows what makes them happy and then just purpose to do it. It doesn't have to be expensive. I think that's the problem with our social media. We see the examples on social and we think, oh, we need to be flowing in money for us to be romantic. In fact, if you meet a, a girl who insists on that, just face the other direction and go. Because that is a person who wants to be opportunistic to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and maybe there's a question I have about emotional baggage. I'll give you a scenario. Uh, someone has emotional baggage but sees a potentially good relationship. How do they handle such a situation? They know that they want to be in a relationship with this person, but they know there are things they haven't handled that need to be handled. You know, how do they go about such a situation? And what implications would the emotional baggage have on the relationship should the person decide to, you know, pursue it? Um, okay. Maybe I will take that question back to her in terms of emotional baggage. Uh -huh. But I think I'll add something to what Katis has said mm. and ask ladies in the house, would you rather have... Uh, boring man who fears the Lord or would you have a romantic man who breaks your heart? <laughs> okay. So uh, according to what I've heard is none. But you must understand that the desires of the flesh and the spirit constantly mm. are always waging war. Mm. There's always a conflict. Mm. And the reason why I'm giving us that scenario is not that uh, we become boring Christian men. Mm. We have to learn to strike a balance. 
And I think I like what Kati says. Um, I know for those of you who are in relationships or most of us have heard about the five love languages. And I think just understanding that this is what this person likes, this is what really makes them feel better, then what we would do is to um, ensure that for those things that they like, we do them with intensity. I would give an example. Um, the first kind of thing I ever did for my wife, then my girlfriend, was to plan for a surprise birthday party for her. She had never had, she had never celebrated a birthday. So when I did one, she really cried. And I think one of the things I've come to realize is that the more I keep giving her gifts and surprising her, that really warms her heart. When I decide I come home early and help her in the kitchen and make food, that warms her heart. So those are the specific things that I choose to try to ensure that she feels loved. If that is what you call romance, I'm not sure whether that is what you call romance. But again also, many of these other guys who try to be romantic in ways that are explicit normally are ways beyond that which do not please God. And the end result is the kind of heartbreaks we see. So uh, we need to strike that balance so that you don't say Christian men are boring because they are calling you to pray every morning and telling you to do Bible study. I mean, you can decide to go for a nature walk. You know, you can decide to go and join others and play some games. I'm not sure where that is romantic because for me, you know, yeah, so I think that that is how you need to look at it so that it does not go to the very extreme and put you in a bad place. But also, there are, there are fun things that you can do together. You know, like tell her, can we go out for supper and I'm going to pay for this supper? Even if it's at the mess. Okay, back in the days, we'd go to the mess and we'd spend 60 bob, rice, beans, veg. I don't know nowadays how much you spend, but uh, that was romantic for us. We've just come from prayer. We go for breakfast. Yeah, so guys, I think you need to strike that balance. I think romance is an opportunity for you to get to know the other person better. I'd, I'd easily define it. Intimacy and romance is an opportunity for you to get to know the other person better, get to enjoy their company. And outside the opportunity of being, finding yourself in bed together, there are various ways. There's something called spiritual intimacy, whereby you are connected, talking the word of God together. There is intellectual intimacy, whereby I'm interested in the things that you're interested in. And this is the book that I came up across, you know. I'm also educating you in a way, or I'm participating in building you intellectually. You get to enjoy each other's company in just unpacking at all. For the men who love football, there are women like me, I do not understand football. But there are sometimes, Kat is not a football person. He loves playing video games. But I'll ensure, I train, or not train, but I'll commit myself. You teach me in how to play this thing so that we can enjoy it together. It's a moment of intimacy. It's not sex, but it's a moment of us having fun together, getting to know one another, and seeing how he goes about his business. So intimacy and, and romance is just that one opportunity of giving yourself to learn the other person and them the other way around. The same way he explained. 
When you're intimate with God, you're committing time to know him and allowing him to come and reveal to you those aspects of yourself. It's time, literally. Emotional baggage, that's a very heavy question. And we're just talking this with Curtis and we're just saying that there are certain emotional baggage that are too heavy for you that you cannot be in a relationship while carrying that. You'll have to take time, when even when going through therapy, for you to unpack what you're feeling. Could be from a toxic relationship, could be from a family um, trauma, could be from an experience that really um, ripped you apart, and you have no capacity. Sometimes we use relationships as a crutch, you know, or a runaway from dealing with the things that you're facing. But if that relationship is taken out of the picture, you have no other option but to face this thing in front of you. So it's, it's good that you recognize you have an emotional issue, not balance. You have an emotional issue and you want to deal with it. That's the first stage of actually dealing with whatever you're going through. So it's identifying it, dealing with it, and allowing people to walk with you through that journey. You can easily, even if there's a successful a potential relationship. If this person truly loves you, they'll give you time to deal with it. They'll tell you, okay, I understand this thing. We don't have to be in a relationship at this particular time. It's fine. Let me know how I can be of support to you as you're processing what you're going through. Or, I understand. Um, I will not keep you, you know, you waiting for me here. I, I don't know how long this process is going to take. Just allow me time to be by myself to unpack this thing with my God and my family and my community. And then once I'm whole, we can probably revisit. If you're single, fine. If you're not, it's okay. God will lead you in a path. I want us to avoid the situation whereby we think this is the only man and the only thing with my emotional baggage, we are going to do it. No, don't rush into it. And there are those emotional baggage that you reveal to your potential person and they're like, it's okay, this we can work with even as we progress in growing in our friendships. So you just have to decide which one is. Is this too heavy for you? Is it a crutch that you're looking for a way out that you are not going to deal with it? Or honestly speaking, it's something that you have identified well. You can still do a relationship well. They are aware of that emotional baggage. They are aware of your triggers. And they are aware of how to help you um, come to the end of this other side. Even if it means together, we are going to the counselor, Pamoja. I also need to understand how to help you in this journey. If somebody's really committed, if I'm going through a particular sickness, Curtis will come with me to the doctor to understand how best can I care for my wife. I'm not just there with the doctor and Aniambia, oh, you should eat this, you should do exercise like that. He as a husband, he's invested in that journey with me that is like, okay, I'm also there to see what the doctor is saying so that I can hold you accountable to the journey that you're walking in wholeness or recovery. So understand your emotional baggage. There are those ones that for sure being in a relationship will make it worse. And there are those ones that for sure being in a relationship will also help you walk the journey to wholeness. So that's what I'd say. Thank you. Thank you, Saila. And I think I appreciate the fact that God has given us community people we can always talk to. I think in the Christian union, we always mention accountability, accountability. I have accountability partners, but do we really utilize this, you know, for our growth? Because I feel like from what I have seen in the Christian union is that we 
we just have casual conversation, not really heart-to-heart -heart conversations, what is happening in my life. And, you know, going to uh, probably my girlfriends and telling them what is happening in my life. And I think, I thi I think you've mentioned accountability so many times, and we appreciate uh, the role it has to play in our lives. And maybe now since in this session we are talking about marriage, you can describe to us how your marriage life has been like for the past seven years for you guys and for the past one and a half, year, uh, half years. Yeah, yeah. just in a few minutes, two, three minutes. Yeah. Oh, so we've been married for one and a half years. Yes, we got married last year, 16th. Uh, April 2022, and on that fateful day is the day we celebrate my husband's birthday. So it's so special to us. Yes, and I would say, honestly speaking, me being married to this guy has allowed us to become more of friends, like best of friends that we've never been. And I believe as we continue doing life together will become inseparable. I mean, from the day we started doing life together, we joke over very, very small issues un until you're wondering, are these just two young children in the house just playing around? You're just in our own cave doing our own things and enjoying life and you're wondering, my husband likes to say, why are you guys still unmarried? Why are you still single? You should test marriage on a later note. So I would say marriage is very interesting. Marriage has helped us to grow together intimately and chase each other towards Christ for that matter because we've been able to, 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 know, to, to know our weaknesses. Like, I say marriage has helped us to reveal who we really are. Do you know, you never know that even in your home, where you come from, your sister, your brother, your mother doesn't really know you. There's the face you put up when you go home. There's the face you put up when you come to school. But there is that face that you'll never hide, the real you. When you have to live with someone, you have to, everything that you do in that house, there is a part that you might think but they know. They know when you're lying to them. They know when you, you don't want to do something. Like everything. They know everything about you and there's still more that they will know about you. And they accept you for the way you are because this is someone who's committed to journey with you from the time you made your vows at the altar. This is someone who's decided that they will journey with you till death do them part. So I would say it's an interesting, and the fact that you know that this is someone who is there by my side. There is nothing to hide. You have to just bring out the real you so that this other person is able to help you become a better person every other time. Because there are things, I would say it's so interesting because there are things you'd go outside there and you expect your friends to tell you, but then, when you come in the house and you're like, your husband is telling you, there's this thing I would like you to change. And then you're like, I've been with my friends and no one has told me about it. And you're like, this is someone who really wants the best for you. 
So the fact that every other day is a learning day, the fact that every other day you joke about everything, and they're telling you not to make you feel bad, but to really help you become a better person out here. I think that is the most interesting thing. So far, I'm enjoying my marriage, and we, we, we like that we have to compromise in the house because he came from a different background, I am from a different background, and we've been brought up differently, and there are things we need to harmonize within our house to make our home a godly home. So we, there are things we need to unlearn, there are things we need to learn, there are things we need to incorporate Christ, all, all things we need to incorporate Christ to help us bring up a godly home, a godly generation. So I think marriage is a really interesting platform for a Christian who really desires to get to that place. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> um, seven years in, started a few months in. Oh my, you my goodness, it has been a roller coaster of experience for us. I even remember our first fight, the first two weeks after getting married. One week after coming from honeymoon, and it was on what she had just touched on. Cultural differences. Curtis is an only child. I come, I'm a second born out of four, five siblings. In our home, we shared. I will cook today. You, if I cook, you wash the dishes or you wipe the kitchen floor. I get married, I'm out of honeymoon, I'm here, I'm the wife. Day one, man, I'll show off, I will cook, I made food and everything. Day two, it's 8 p.m., Curtis is like, what are we eating? And I'm like, bro, I cooked yesterday. <laughs> because of how I was raised. You have to cook today, I was like, wait, what? He came from work, I don't know, I think I hadn't, I took a longer leave period than he did. And that's why we started fighting. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean you expect me to cook every day? <laughs> I was like, it's a scum. But anyway, <laughs> we don't even do that in my mother's house. <laughs> but he told me one thing. I have no problem cooking for you. I just wish you'd communicated that earlier on. Because uh, he likes preparing in advance. So that was the first war. That was so little compared to the experiences that we've had along the journey. We have gone through financial incapacities, guys. We have been a place where we didn't have work, both of us. We are like, tutanunua tissue, tutanunua sabuni. Which one is more important, you know? Like, we've gotten to that place in marriage. And the beauty of the days that we do not have money is we do not have an escape we had to deal with ourselves. It's like, eh, I see a different you. Say, kuna pesa. And I'm seeing a different you. Say, kuna abundance. So we really can't had to deal with one another. Higher. We started um, trying out to grow our family. A series of miscarriages. And I'm like, my God. And I keeping every time going to the hospital, coming out negative reports after negative reports, I have seen my husband as a backbone during our processes of doing that. Many men have walked away from their women because of the, the, the inability to bring a child with the many trials and it's not happening. They're like, wait, I think we should consider a second wife. Parents have considered many things. I am so lucky, guys. My in-laws are wonderful people. 
I know people have dealt with crazy in-laws. Those are some of the experiences you will have in marriage. We had to learn how to cover one another in front of our families. I never tell my sisters of how his mistakes are. Because she is my sister, she will side with me and not with Curtis. It's always us against him, even if I'm the one who's on the wrong. So I have learned, we have learned to learn how to be one team in front of our, our in-laws and our families and our communities. Then came, I got my firstborn, everything was okay. Six months in, I fall down, break both of my forearms. Guys, went in for surgery, come home, I cannot do anything for myself. This man bathed me for over two weeks. Nioshe, nipake mafuta, ni dress. I'm imagining how probably another man would have had the capacity to carry you in such a situation. It's like, we, ita mama yako kwa nyumba. She's the one to bathe you, to clothe me. I cannot do these things. I have seen a different side of my husband in those seven lives that we have lived in our seven years of marriage. And I'm like, God, if this is the amount of experiences we've had, I wonder what's ahead of us. Getting second born and just the, the conundrum of newborns really know how to come and just shagarabagara everything. Because as mothers, we tend to focus so much on the child, we forget the husband. God had to come back to me and say, like, you know what? The kid is important, but your husband came first. You have to find a balance on how to supply to the husband. If he's well taken care of, you also will be well taken care of. Your family in general will be well taken care of. But he in himself, he has stood up the test of time, guys. And I was like, I was telling in a, in a different life session that I don't know. I am so grateful to God because of the extent of grace that this man has showed to me. There are days that I was so stupid, he extended grace. There are days I was so selfish, he still accepted me and, and, and gave me periods of growing up. I'm like, okay, I'm, it's not like he's perfect. But he extended grace. And I think that's the place of a leader. Even if you just don't go slaughter Christmas. No. Still fatten it well, you know. <laughs> you fatten. He, he's, he has created a safe space for me in marriage. That that's why you see we I'm so passionate and so um, loud enough to say that marriage is beautiful and marriage can work. And they are good men, guys. They are good Christian men. And for the women, we don't get men in church. We find men in Christ. Many men come to church so that they can get you. And then the moment they get you in the trap, they are out of it. You can only find a man who is in Christ. Church is just some, sometimes people can come and lie to you. But in Christ, you'll see the true essence of a person. And Christ is what I have experienced with my husband. Even in the low moments, he still came up. He has allowed me to be his helper. Curtis has invited me to give him counsel in business ideas. He has invited me to give him counsel in decision making. He is not just the leader telling me, and that's it. He has invited me in that journey. Because every decision that he makes as the leader, we are affected as a family. Our children are going to be impacted by the decision he's going to make. We have made wrong financial um, decisions. I don't blame him for that. Like We did it together because you asked, let's do this, let's invest like this. We do it. We fail together. I'm not going to say, no, 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 no. What shall we do to recover uh, financially? 
I, I don't. I have learned, guys. I was so naive. I was so selfish. I was so stubborn in my first two, three years of marriage. But now I think after going through a lot of experiences and all that, some of those things have been shared. It's only this year that truly, truly, I, I will come back to that question of <coughs> career. Because I'm a career. I, I love pursuit of career and everything. But this year I came to the realization that if it's at the expense of my family, it'd rather stay. If it's, I'm pursuing something at the expense of my husband and my children, I am sorry. We'll, we'll leave, uh, I know we'll not do that, but for sure God has opportunities and opens opportunities for women to be present home and still be present in the, um, in the marketplace and be impactful. So that's how marriage has been for me. Thank you. You almost made me cry. I'm going to need some tissues, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Gloria, you mentioned about building a godly marriage, and I would like to probe that. You know, what would you say makes a biblical marriage, a successful biblical marriage? How, how does that look like? Yeah. Hey, okay. <laughs> so a godly marriage... I would say a godly marriage is one that is founded on Christ. Like from the word go, how did, how was this marriage founded? At what point did you guys begin from? We, I believe, and I think it's it's a fact that it's good when you people decide, two people decide to get married. Richard and Gloria decide to get married. They, 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 they consult God. Richard approaches Gloria. Glo Richard tells Gloria that I would love you to be the mother to my kids, my wife, you know, all those lines. He comes and tells me. Then after that, we put it to God. We pray about it. And then the next thing is we consult our parents. We inform our parents and ask them just to hear what they perceive of this. Then the next thing is we get the blessings of our parents and then we have our pastors pray with us and just allow us to now start life. I think that is how you start by founding your marriage on Christ, the beginning of that. Then, of course, you are two individual people who at first, even before you thought of being in a relationship, we were individuals who were born again. We did do our life. We did have our devotions as individuals. Once you get to marriage, that doesn't mean that you have to lose yourself. You, we, to date, still have our personal devotions. Then we have times when we have designed, we have dedicated to have family devotions as husband and wife. So the fact that we still are individuals, we still as individually are Christ, we are children of God. We, we were born again even before we started our relationship. Is already a, a guide to telling us that this marriage is a godly one. And then us having the three of us, because I remember Kati saying, we have me, we have my husband, then we have my husband and I. You see, we have the three of us here. There is me as an individual, there is my husband Richard, and then there is Richard and Gloria. So the fact that I individually am able to really connect with Christ, then him also connecting with Christ, then us two coming together, 
I think that enough, that helps us to really build our marriage in, in Christ. And for sure, marriage is work. Every other time you go outside, you come, the, the ups and downs you, you, you experience every day. Because there are people who cannot stomach the, the, the losing of a job, you know, a husband losing a job or themselves losing a job. They, they start having some insecurities of, you see, now I don't have a job, my wife will leave me. You know, there is that. But once you dedicate all these things that happen in your life, the way you were dedicated to Christ even before you got married. And then, back then, I used to think about myself, pray to God about myself, my future. I would love to have a job, you know, all those things. Now we are here. As much as I also have my needs that I give, I, I dedicate them to Christ every day. We also have our needs as a family. That when we come together, we're able to say, in this, in this family right now, we are struggling financially, for instance, or maybe we would love God to help us maybe do some projects that we have as a family. Then you dedicate them to Christ. I mean, anything that rotates around Christ in our family really is a basis of us raising a godly family. Thank you for that. You've handled it very well, very well. Unless, Richard, you have something to add? I think it's also clear, and I think Curtis has said it before, mm -hmm. the goal for marriage is for our sanctification. Mm -hmm. The goal for marriage is to get us to heaven. Mm -hmm. And the goal for marriage is to raise a godly offspring. Mm -hmm. I think uh, when you look at those three things, then it will tell you what a godly family looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's also possible that... Uh, you might not get married and still attain heaven. Because I think that is also important to know. You might not get married, but still attain eternity. Again, also look at it that you don't so much desire marriage until you idolize marriage and not the God of the marriage. I think that is important to know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just to add, mm. I had forgotten that um, it's in the platform of of um, marriage setup that we have Christ and the bride. We have Christ as the groom and the church as the bride. I mean, marriage is the setup which reflects that kind of a relationship. So, marriage is God's idea from the word go. And that is why they say, the Bible says, God hates divorce. And so, when I see out here people. Uh, really being happy when they see marriages break, you're wondering what their intention really is. But really when we, we, we are able to understand that marriage really works, and it works when we allow Christ to journey with us through it. I think it, it really helps us as we go through. We don't have to be perfect. We really have to submit to him, and he's able and willing to assist us and to help us so that glory at the end of it all goes back to him. It's not about us. It's not about people seeing that we are having couple goals. No, it's about Christ being glorified in our marriage. It's about when people see us, they don't just see us looking good. They see Christ in us and they're able to learn something and desire to become more of Christ. Thank you. 
Thank you for that. And what I am noticing through this whole process is that Christ being the firm foundation of everything, then it will go well. I think Romans 8.28 will remind us that know that in all things, everything works out for the good of those who... Uh, I think I am forgetting that. <laughs> Those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. And so um, thank you that you're highlighting what builds a successful marriage. And the fact that that's what builds it, it's what sustains it, I would say. And um, Soila mentioned about uh, some moments you've made bad decisions, not really good decisions for maybe your family. And you can tell us how you've handled those failures. You know, uh, you've had successes actually and failures. How do you handle all of this? Yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about marriage is once you become one, you're one. If she makes a mistake, we all suffer. <laughs> if I make a mistake, we all suffer. If she has a win, we all enjoy. If I have a win, we all enjoy. So there is no time to point fingers and say it is your fault. Because fine, I'll blame her, but we are all suffering. So isn't it important to figure out, okay, now we've made these mistakes, how can we become better? If you look at the story of uh, Adam and Eve and eating the fruit, they all suffered the consequences. They all suffered the consequences. So it's important to understand that we are one. Sorry? Check. Yeah, your question in, is in what some of those mistakes are, right? Or how did we? Yes. Okay. What you can give examples yeah. and how you handled that. Takana uh, Kustaki. Probably I can say, okay, I'll share this one because she shared it before publicly. So I am safe. Uh, so there's a time, that period she's talking about of us not having a job. Okay? We didn't have a job. I lost my job first, then she lost, she lost hers, like two months later. So we are there. No, no, no. Uh, so we are there jobless, we've exhausted our savings, so so to Nangaliana, what, what next, you know? And then she got another job shortly after. But the job she got was a bit, uh, I can say the work environment was not the best. It was a bit toxic, a lot of pressure, so she was like, I, eight months in, I can't handle this, I have to quit. Of course, I was not ready to quit because now I was just trying to start a business at that time. And the plan we had is that some of the money she's getting from that job We'll use it to set up business, and then once the business picks up, now she can quit. But she just couldn't stay in that place. It was too much for her, so she quit before our business actually took, <laughs> took part. I was mad. <laughs> I was mad, you know? But how I handled it, and she also knew. She also knew she, she didn't do the right thing. It's actually just recently that she started speaking about it. Openly. And I was like, oh, Kumbe, you knew you had, you had messed up, you know? <laughs> but for me, I sat down and I thought to myself, you know, at the end of the day, I'm the man in this relationship. I'm the husband. As far as God is concerned, it is my responsibility to provide. 
can she help me provide? Of course she can, but the responsibility rests with, she can. <laughs> of course she can, but the responsibility rests with me. And I think that's also where uh, the roles of mar marriage come in. There's need to be a clear difference between what the responsibility is and what the help is. So when God is saying that she is my helper, what is she helping me do? There's something I'm supposed to be doing for her to come and help. So I cannot hold it against her that she's not providing for the family because it is not her responsibility to do it. It is my responsibility to do it. So in as much as I felt like Mpangwe Maribika, I had to trust God and figure out, okay, God, this has happened. And now at because job. What do I do as a man? Alright? So for me, how I handled it is understanding what is what's my responsibility in this mess, if I may put it that way. Alright? For example, for her, there's the role of uh, women just being, how do I put it? What's the language for this? Caregivers or, you know, taking care of the home. Can I do that? Of course I can do that. I can cook. I can wash dishes. I can take care of the house. I can take care of the kids. But the responsibility is hers, all right? At least that's what we have agreed in our house, in our home. It's my responsibility to provide, but you can help. It's a responsibility to take care of the home, but I can help. So if anything goes wrong, it's not about pointing fingers. It's about figuring out, okay, how can I take responsibility at this particular moment? So I think that's how as we addressed it. Yeah. I don't know if you'd like to add to that. Oh, um, really nothing to add, but the collaborative effort in uh, coming up with solutions for the messes you've created and being invited in making that decision, like this is now how we are moving from now henceforth. Um, is it a right decision? Is it not a right uh, move? So I think that part of, even if we've made mistakes, we still come together to the table to find a solution together. So we've agreed on this solution, we try it, it fails, we come back again, back to the drawing board together. It's not now, it's your solution that failed, it's our solution that will not really bear much fruit as we had anticipated. So it's a lot of collaborative effort in correcting the mistakes and forging forward. Thank you for that. Uh, maybe before we switch gears, uh, <laughs> are there moments in your relationship uh, when you almost quitted or when it was almost over? And if there are such moments, how did you go about it? You said relationship, not marriage. In, in that marriage relationship, I say. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I would say for us, we, we have not been there quite long. And as you can see, we are, we can, we are still more on the honeymoon phase. <laughs> um, so maybe, even looking at the challenges that we have had, uh, we, I don't think that is something that has ever crossed our minds. Because to be honest, we understand what God's word is about how if actually there is something that God hates among the seven things that are said in the Bible, this one I'll add it as the eighth, <laughs> is divorce. God really hates divorce. And even as you look at Paul speaking about, about it in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, of how those who have divorced should not get 
or remarry to someone else, it really shows the seriousness of it. So for us, as we look even through the challenges, we don't think about quitting. We don't do that here. Uh, I, I think I would put it that way. And again, can you imagine that this is someone I waited for four years, I mean, patiently, prayerfully, enduring the pains and joys of singlehood just to spend the rest of my life with her, then come to this point and I would want to quit. I don't think we've gotten there. Or maybe, sweetheart, you've gotten there. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, for us, we've been constantly wanting to just enjoy life. And again, also, by the fact that we can actually see how God is taking us, it has really given us a good inspiration of why we need to be together. Actually, on that matter, I think um, she knows that it's just that after I had uh, lost my job last year, uh, I had gotten a, an opportunity to go and work abroad four months into our marriage. But I questioned myself, what is this that I'm going to look out for that would actually allow me to leave her here? And God is still providing through her. So I think by that fact of we just want to be together really doesn't bring the question of quitting in, in, in our marriage. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe, Curtis, you can share some insights. First of all, I admire that you know, staying at home for the sake of the marriage. There's actually somewhere in Deuteronomy that says that the first year when a man gets married, he's not supposed to go to war. Because there's a foundational, there's a significant foundational thing that happens during that time. So always ask yourself, is that money really, really, really important? That money you are going to look for. <laughs> is it that important? You know? Uh, so whether I've ever thought of quitting, have I thought of revenging? Yes. <laughs> Have I thought of teaching a lesson? Yes. You know? Have I thought of, you know, making her suffer just a little bit? You know, the, Bi the, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. So <laughs> Have I thought of all that? Of course I have. But have I thought of quitting? No, I have not. Because I think for me, by the time I was getting married, divorce was not an option. And I think it's important how you enter marriage. It's important the mindset you have. If you always have the mindset of, ah, kukichemka mi inje, trust me, itachemka. All right? But if you have the mindset of whatever happens, we will figure it out. That's the mindset to have. What we've discovered with Soela is that, I was telling Soela, have you ever seen a toxic couple? People who are dating, they're in a toxic relationship. Both of them, they beat each other, and a chapana, and a tukanana. They involve the neighbors, they involve the parents. One week later, they are together. So I asked Soela, if these people with this toxicity have decided to be together and nobody can put them apart, what about those who are holy and they are walking with God? If they decide to be together, what can put them apart? Mm. Nothing. So for me, my mindset is God brought us together. And as the Bible says, whatever God has put together, let no man. Let no man. So it's only him who can separate. 
So if he has not separated, why are you separating? You understand? So for me, my mentality is whatever issue we have, God already saw that he issued Akuja, and he still allowed us to get married. So that means that he knew we will have the grace and the capacity to deal with that thing. So I've never thought of it. Um, of course, there's that capacity thought. Maybe you are watching something online and somebody says something about marriage, and of course it passes your mind. But you now consider it, you know, you're thinking, what if I actually do this? No, I've not allowed myself to get there. And I'm saying allowed, allowed very intentionally because I think it is a mindset you allow. It doesn't catch you off guard. It is something you allow to come into your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the way it's coming out clearly how we need to be so conscious of the commitment that uh, is in marriage. And uh, more especially knowing that uh, it's not like there is there should not be that thought of a way out after I get into this, but we should readily prepare for it so that when it comes to that particular time, it's clear enough. When issues arise, they are just to be sorted out. Uh, we deal with them, and then after that, it, it's a way of learning to grow into the perfection that uh, Christ is really modeling us to. Maybe at some point, people might not attain it, but might be closer to it. And I really appreciate the way it's coming out. Yeah, so maybe we now get to ask ourselves in the, in the context of a marriage, uh, you've spoken of issues like sometime you lost your jobs and the marriage had to continue. So the balance between now career, this marriage, and now family, how should it go? Uh, and we now strike in also the aspect of ministry now in a Christian context. How should that one go in all the, both the male and the female? I think it's good to know that the moment you get married, the moment you build a family, that's, that's the first point of ministry. If you are abandoning your family to go and preach well, that is wrong. You have to be a responsible person at home in ministering to your family. Then export it. Because it's like you're exporting something that is not even working for you. And that's why you've seen many people, families are shagarabagra, not working, but they are busy somewhere else, success, uh, succeeding. I think with that approach, then it calls me to a place of responsibility first to my home. And then, to the other people. Um, for us, as Curtis has said, we sat down and had conversations. What is your role? What is his role? What is your responsibility? What will you hold? Even it comes to bills. Like, okay, what answer he? he? You know, you just sit down and decide. Like, okay, I... And you agree. It's not like it's forced on you. You just agree. If you disagree, you say, I disagree because of one, two, three, four, five. A marriage setting should be safe enough for you to express your heart. And even if your heart is wrong, it's still safe enough for you to accept correction, all right? So you express your expectation, even if they are wrong and they are out outrageous. You allow yourself to be corrected well. So for us, we had to sit down, define everything. This is how you operate in this family. This is the culture of this family. 
And I remember even by the time I was quitting, even if he was very mad and everything, I told him, I know you'll be angry with me, but now my health where it's at, it's at risk, and it's time for me to take a break. It was hurtful because it hurt us financially, but health-wise, I'm still here. I am surviving. So you see, there are consequences, consequences you will face because of the decisions that you make. But if it's not made from the family front together, it can easily turn to be a war against you. We have learned to separate issues and say this is a separate issue from you. It's not, Curtis, you are always like this and like that. It's no, 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 no. There's this specific thing that we are tackling right now. We separate the issue from the person. You know, and it takes, it takes spelling out, sitting down, communication. That thing, communicating, is one of the main things that actually allows the wheels and the cogs of the marriage to operate. It, communication oils the same cogs. Um, prayer, fellowship, um, reading of the word allows you to oil that cog. So for us sitting down, talking out some of the expectations that we have, how we need to run this marriage, who's doing what with the kids, you know? I'm dropping the kids because of work, you will be picking the kids from school. That's how we, like it's a proper working system. Consider it an institution. Institution has working systems. So what are the systems of your marriage that is making everything flow to prosperity, to growth? Because if it's making you go behind, come back to the table and draw it again. Like, okay, this is not working. In anifinilia sana, what shall we do about this? So if you feel safe and accepted in your marriage, you'll be able to speak out some of your expectations. Um, I think uh, for every family, um, it may not be pre-designed that this is the way it should work. But I think you, as a couple, you look at what works out for you. Uh, and I think for me and my wife, one of the things that has really worked out for us is um, being able to plan how we want our lives to to flow, you know? What are the things that we need to do? At what point? But now when it comes to the balancing, and I think it's important to say that um, I know there is this cliche that you're always given. It's God, family, work, you know? But now where I find myself with my wife, she's doing her MSc, and I'm also studying, okay? So she leaves home at seven, comes home at seven. She leaves work at four, goes to class, comes back home at seven. I do the same, but I come home earlier. So, and I know when she comes home, she'll be tired. So, how, what is it that we can do to ensure that we still enjoy our family life and still support each other? So, one of the things, because we are, we are pouring out our lives to you, is that once I get home early, I prepare supper early, when she comes home, we just have supper. We have time for devotion. We have time to read. By 11, she's gone to rest. For me, I can do a few other hours until 1, and then, and then the following day. So I think uh, looking at it is just how the dynamics that are there in the family and how well you can plan. For instance, I know she rises up earlier than me, Okay. When she raises earlier than me, she'll do a devotion, she'll prepare. By the time she's about to leave is when I'm waking up. 
But again, she'll leave me awake. We have done our family devotions. It's then that I will start preparing. So you see, at the end of the day, it's just the dynamics that are there in your family and how best you can actually balance the two because you do not want that uh, at the end of the day, you're not living like a family because I still have work to deliver. She still has work to deliver. She still has studies to deliver. But how do we balance that? Yeah, so I think just having a plan can help you to balance how things are. I think with, with that one actually considers the change of seasons because marriages go through different seasons because if that is working now, let's say when children come, things might be the other way around. She might be more home than the husband is or the other way around. The, the husband has longer paternity leave than the woman has. So it's also the flexibility of having to accommodate one another in the milestones and the seasons that the marriage is going through. said it all. And I think one important thing that I would want to add is we have all these plans that we have made and it's really working for us. But I can tell you some it reaches to some it reaches to times when I feel overwhelmed. Like we really feel overwhelmed. And I think every other time, every other day when I wake up and I'm able to have my personal devotions, one thing I ask God every day is to give me grace. Because I can tell you, it's easier said than done. When you just, you know, it's today, then you're planning for Monday, how you'll wake up, you'll do this, you'll do that, after this, you'll do this. Now, get to Monday. You've gone to work. After working, you've gone to class. There's other things you need to do. You also have to reach out to your family members, you have friends, there is ministry, Maybe you are a leader somewhere. There's some things you need to attend to. I mean, there's just a lot to do. You also need to read. You are a student. You need to find time. There is time you also need to dedicate for your husband. You're married, remember. Because you see, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes feeling like this, yet we do not have kids yet. You're hoping that God will bless us with kids. And, and sometimes it reaches to a point when, I feel so overwhelmed. My husband is also tired at some time. And then we are like, we do not have kids yet, but it's feeling this way. So I think every day it's grace from God. And just asking God every day to give you grace for that particular day is very important. And I've realized that every other time I wake up, I pray and ask God for grace. The day just goes so seamlessly. And I'm like, the day is over. I've been able to accomplish the very things that we had planned and I committed them to God in the morning and for sure I can look at the to-do list that I had put down and I can attest that I have been able to do this, this and that. And for that which I've not been able, I can always reschedule for the next day. So it's God's grace all, all, all the way. Yeah. Ah, thanks, thanks. The way it's coming out well, uh, need for communication on how we are involved in different kinds of life, however much we, the one aspect in marriage, but uh, there is that value of the other party in, in the things that they do and in the things that they love. So communicating clearly and ensuring that uh, you work in effectiveness. Yeah, uh, we really appreciate that. And so maybe what could be the place of uh, 
now uh, career and uh, how can it affect marriage if it's not well planned? I think I would, I would, I would begin answering that question because uh, that is where we find ourselves personally. That is where we find ourselves. My wife is a researcher at Cambridge and so she has to spend um, quite some time doing research in the lab um, and also spend time in class. So I think uh, at the beginning of the year it was a bit of a struggle, but I think by the fact that I knew I could actually com come home earlier and help her and prepare so that by the time she's coming, she's just coming to rest, you know, uh, refresh, do a few things and then rest. For us, that was uh, quite, quite okay. The other thing is uh, I support her for what she does and also she supports me for what I do. Because I think it is important. You know, um, in the days that you have lived in and our parents have taken us to school, uh, of course they don't expect that you went to school and you're not working so that they can tell you you are their investment, they, they are building uh, some, something at home, so they want uh, 70 bags of cement, and then you're like there, you don't have a means, you know? So I think that... Uh, looking at it, we have re we've realized that um, for now, for the season that we are in, we can be able to juggle in between this. But again, also for me, I think one thing I thank God for is that I am able to work from home at least three days in a week. You see? So that, that makes it easier for me to even see how best I can support her, even when I'm at home. So I think uh, looking at that, it's helped us in terms of trying to see how we can balance. Uh, but again, I would also s confess that it's not straightforward or easy. As she says, it really takes the grace of God to be able to juggle in between. Yeah. Katis, you can share some, some insights too on that. Um... <laughs> I probably just to share some of our experiences in, in career, in marriage, and balancing everything with the growing needs and demands of a marriage and growing a family. I remember when I we started out to grow our family, we decided that I will take a break from work. And we had to sit down and decide what does this look like for this family. Um, all that If you had two streams of income, that means you're off, so we are depending on one. What adjustments do we need to make? And again, we are adding another member to the family. So we sat down and decided on that. It meant cutting down on some of the extras, you know, for us to fulfill that. We, for, for our family, as I said, there are different families have different cultures. It doesn't have to be like that for you. Um, and I remember for three years, I did not take any job. <clears throat> I was just at home caring for my children, um, because again, I got them back to back. And for me, or for, not even for me, for us, that was the best choice led. You just don't do things blindly again. You have to consult with the Spirit of God, the one that leads you to all truth. And everywhere he leads you, there's going to be provision. And I remember even by the time I was ready to go back to work, and I remember it's Curtis who did my, I was not ready because I'm like three years out of the gig. I'm like, how am I going to do this again? 
It's how he did my CVs. He refined my CV. He did even my cover letter. He even wrote the email. He just told me, now you click send. He did everything for me. And the one thing that, when that ripe time came for me to apply for a new job, those guys never asked me, where have you been the last three years? They was like, hey, there's a gap here in, in, your, in your CV. Where were you? Because it's like you stopped working from this particular point. They didn't ask me that. And I didn't stop delivering from the moment I joined the workforce. I was still delivering. And we even prayed to God about the next opportunity that I'm going to be taking. I told him I don't want one that takes me out of the house eight to five every single day. Remember, my kids are still small. Kids grow at such a, okay, they grow fast, but they grow slow as well. And I was like, I really needed to be present. There are certain values that I needed to instill to my children and all that. So even the opportunities that we are praying to God for were opportunities that will still allow me as a mom to be present at home. And also for him, some of the opportunities that we prayed for are opportunities that still allowed him to be present for some of things like this. That those jobs are to job. That those opportunities you could um, off day, they will not give you. But even because of the setup and the ministry that God is bathing with us, he has given us such a, a flexi working environment and working opportunities that allow us to do this thing. So it doesn't have to be cast, cast on stone. You pray. Understand the journey that God wants to take your family through. So I got that opportunity of working from home, working part-time, like it was the perfect um, prayer point that was answered. So that's how it was for us. So don't leave God out of, you know, we say we just involve God in the big things. We involve God in healing. I have this sickness, I need healing. We involve God, no, no, I want children. It's hard, I need children. And you don't involve God in making decisions like what job should I apply for? Involve God in those things. What job opportunities should I apply for based on the structure and the vision and the blueprint that God has given you for your family. So all these things has to come back from where is God taking you to? So yeah. Ah, thank you. We're almost wrapping up uh, this session. So we're preparing for the questions that you might be having. And maybe just allow me to read this and then uh, you can get a quick response. Maybe you have touched on it some point, but just a clear view on it. Uh, is there a part in the Bible where God shuns women from attaining their dreams, career-wise, or shuns women from dreaming of a life more than just motherhood and housekeeping? And are these the only metrics that define God femi femininity and womanhood? Femininity and womanhood. Yeah. So God creates Adam. And before he gives Adam a wife, he gives Adam work, right? So he tells him, till the land, do whatever, name the animals, blah, blah, blah. And then God sits and says, it's not good for this guy to be alone. Let me create a wife who's going to be a helper for him. The reason I'm quoting this is because there's nowhere in that scripture where God specifically says that she will only help in raising children. It says helper. So whatever God has tasked a man to do, the lady, sorry, the lady is supposed to be a helper. This is in career, this is in family, this is in ministry. All right? Now, it doesn't mean you have to be doing the same job. It doesn't mean you have to be in the same office so that you can be seen to be helping. But basically, the aspect of just 
working and even sometimes providing, mm. all right? A good example is when you read about the Proverbs 31 woman. That woman is industrious. That woman, in fact, at some point, you can even think the husband is, you know, he's in the background. The wife is the one doing everything, waking up in the morning, preparing her maids, doing all these things. So if, if, if indeed God's plan for women would just be to make babies and stay at home, would not have people like Proverbs 31 woman, would not have people like Deborah who was being called as a judge for Israel, will not have people in the New Testament who we know are apostles. You know, when we did the book of Acts, I think I'm forgetting their, their names. But there are women all over scripture who have roles that are beyond just being homemakers. I think sometimes we confuse traditional roles and we assume them to be biblical roles. You understand? Because traditionally, make babies, feed people, that's it. No, no. And because Christianity also has that aspect of being conservative, so we attach biblic biblical narrative and we assume it is also the same with traditional narrative, which is not the same. Mm -hmm. So for me, I usually say, I usually say, as a woman, seek God. Whatever God wants you to do, pursue it. Because I know there are people who God have also told them, don't work. Just be a mother and take care of children. There are people who have had those conversations with God. God just wants them to focus on raising the children. If that's, if that's what God has told you, well and good. But otherwise, don't lock yourself there, you know, because you're assuming it's what is biblical. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I can see we are running out of time. And uh, maybe could we just allow we get final words from each couple? Uh, or maybe after a burning question <laughs> that maybe hasn't been addressed. Yeah. Um, so we have only two. Those two questions. Uh, the one for Dr. Harry. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the session. Um, it's been so enlightening. Um, um, a comment on how Gloria has just been saying my husband, my husband. Um, so my question is about finances. Um, do you guys have joint accounts? And if you do, if if you do, if you don't, why not? And if you do, um, where does the compromise come um, when making uh, decisions on matters finances? So if, let's say, I have a really burning thing that I want to do and will take all our money, and the thing that also my husband wants to do is also binding. So where do you come, where, where does the compromise come? Um, my other question is on intercultural and inter-ethical uh, marriages. Um, so Gloria mentioned about involving your parents, but so what if I go tell my mom and then my mom says no? What happens? Okay, we can get the other question too. From Dr. Let me allow them to answer, to respond to that. I think I'll, I'll take you, you'll take the other one about the joint account, but I'd like to answer that for the intercultural marriages. The Bible tells us to honor your parents. 
it doesn't stop there. Honor your parents in the Lord. Understand? So if a mom or a dad tells you no to a person because of tribal lines, that's not godly. You understand? Because God himself is not tribal. So there's a respectable way you can tell your mom, mom, I really, really agree with where you're coming from, but the, the reasons you're giving me does not really hold as much water. And if you don't have the guts to say that, you know of an auntie, you've owned an uncle who you can easily go talk to. Let them come. If your mother or parents will find it disrespectful for you to stand up against them in that matter, let somebody else do. Even if it means it's your counseling person who's older and can be respected by your parents, approach it like that. Like, hey, pasty, where to no Congolese parents? Even if it's a church they go to and you have access somehow, go have that conversation. Tell them there's this grounds that my parents are refusing me to get married to this person. Um, and my word directs me like this. Somebody once said, some, there's a question that was asked about standard. The standard for dating and marriage is God. The standard is the Bible. We all get our rules from the Bible. Anything that we have said today that does not match up with what the Bible says, trash it. Don't go with it. Just go study the word for yourself and approve it for yourself that is truth. All right? Just don't take anything that is said to be the ultimate. So the same thing. Because of how you have understood your word and how you need to honor parents um, in the Lord, you need to figure out how to go and address it. But do not cancel a man that God has actually brought to you in your life because they are from Luya. I am a Maasai. He's a Luo. There was trouble, my friend, because he's like, I was telling him, you'll be made to drink blood. He's like, wait. Even... <laughs> And my mother's like, if the guy ever dies, you know, he'll be married to the, not consider the brothers, he'll be married to the uncles, they'll make you shave hair. Like, there's a lot of superstition. I'm like, wait, okay, I understand. Parents sometimes are doing this out of fear because they love us so much, they don't want us to be entangled to some things that they do not understand. Because then they just are familiar with their own culture, they'd rather have you in that familiar setting and not a new thing that they do not understand. Of. So sometimes it just comes from a place of, you know what? It's genuinely caring for you and ensuring that you do not stray too far away from them. So they can't keep an eye, from you, uh, an eye on you and see how you're faring on. Like, we're in the Western. How will we know you're okay? So it's just out of love. But in the same way, let the Lord guide you in how to address that matter. If it's not one-on-one, -on -one, if you have me, I had entrance with my mom. Everything that I was saying, I was, I'd go to my mom, I'm like, mom, tell your husband this is going to happen. And she's like, okay. And that's how it was. All the entire process of marriage, anything, they're like, we need 500 people. And I'm like, we don't have money for 500 people. We can afford 300 people. And if you guys want 500 more, those a wedding you count per plate, per table, per chair. Because 150 per chair, 600 per plate of food. So even they want 300 extra people, 200 extra people, count them per person. So that's expenses like, okay, can the family changia for the extra people that you guys want? You know, there's a respectable way of actually arguing out your point without disrespecting your family members. Have an older person, if you don't think they'll respect you and all that, have an older person do that for you. I know people who've gotten married without parents there because they're just being hard-headed the entire time. Nothing holds water. You have to do these things. 
and they are still blessed even up to now. There's a, part, there's a verse that I read yesterday. There's a curse cannot stand if it does not have anything to hold on to. They'll tell you, I'll curse you for doing this, but you know for sure you follow the right path that the Bible leads you to. You follow the counsel of the Spirit of God. So do not fear a curse pronounced over you because you do not follow a cultural um, system that the world's the world is, is, is asking you to follow. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, joint accounts. Thank you. <laughs> yes, and one. I agree to everything that Suila said. Just to add, I think uh, besides just cultural differences, when you, you decide to get married or decide to start planning to get married, there are always some spiritual warfares that just come from nowhere. And the people you expect to support you, the people, even your mother, the people you expect to support you to, and you expect them to be there all, and the people who will disturb you, and the people who will become stubborn, and they will just come up with so many expectations that you're not able to, to fulfill. So I think when you start thinking of that journey, go through it prayerfully from the word go. And I think... God always has a way to just make things align. Yeah. Uh, about finances, well, I'll talk about our experience. Different couples have their different approaches towards it. Other people have joint accounts. Other, it, it's up to, up to you as a couple. Once you get married, everything you have gets married. That is what we believe. Everything, your families, your finances, Whatever you have, because the, the, the vows we make, there's that part. Whatever you have is mine, and whatever I have is yours. My husband tells me that every time I forget. Everything you have is my, is ours. Everything I have is yours. So, finances are ours. Depending on how you want to manage that money, there are people who have their different accounts, and they decide at the end of the month, there is the... The, the, the certain percentage you will bring to the table, I will bring to the table, you will remain with this, I will also remain with this, and that is how it works for them. For us, that is how we do it. When at the end of the month we have our finances, we bring all our finances together. Every shilling that I use is accounted for. Even if I buy a sweet, my husband knows I bought a sweet. That is just how it is. Because at the end of the day, you have to explain where that shilling went to. And it's just good to be able to be to be able to account for that one shilling because it is ours. It's not yours anymore the way you used to do it before we got married. It's ours. We have learned how to even work with our families because before we got married, there is a way I would send my mother money anytime I want. Right now, I cannot just send my mother money anyhow. I have to consult. If they have to, if they have an emergency, of course they still call me, but I have to tell them I need to talk to my husband first. We see if we can. You know, we may or may not be able to meet your, your need at this point because at the start of the month, we budget for we our money. Good. Just don't have money seated there waiting for you to have an issue so that we give you the money. No. We have our money. We have a plan. There is the way we manage this money. So they, you have to be put into budget so that we give you 
that money. And we, we are good people. We, we help people, but we have to really account for it. So that at the end of it all, we are stewards for this money. And God is able to be glorified, even in how we consume and utilize the money that he has blessed us with. So there is no uh, one approach for everyone, but I, I, I believe that once you people also get there, you are able to know that your monies are married because it's part of the things that God has entrusted you with. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I think just before you add, <laughs> I would just like to prepare the men in advance. Uh, it's, there's only one thing that is unfair to share in marriage. Everything is okay. But there is a place we suffer as men, and that is clothes, <laughs> okay? She can wear my clothes and she'll be okay. Yes. But if you see me with a dress, you will question my identity. <laughs> so, just prepare yourself. Ivo tundio iko. Okay, uh, thank you for that. For the other questions that we might be having, uh, the couples will still stick around a short while after we are finished. Uh, yeah, we'll take that one and then after that, we'll give the final word. Uh. Yes, so my name is Daniel Onchoka. Uh, my question is just maybe I could call it minor compared to the others. Um, how often do you go out on dates by yourselves without your children, just yourselves alone? Yeah. How frequently do you do that? And maybe what would you recommend? I think uh, I will quickly answer that. Yesterday, my wife and I were celebrating something and we were out for a date. But I think for us, um, because as she said, we are accountable we tend to think of doing it on a monthly basis because of our schedules. And also, uh, when you're budgeting, we can actually put it there that on this, we want to spend this on, on a date. So I think that is just how we do it. That is us. We plan for it once or twice a month, depending on how our budgets are. Yeah. Or when we have something important to celebrate together. Thank you. Uh, for us, we do it twice in a week. One is called Dream Tuesday. We're in the house. The other one is we're out. I think just because of the demands of the um, children and work and everything, and we still need to fuel the marriage. We still, we still have to date. We still, that's, that's the part that makes the friendship um, uh, prosperous. So, yeah. Also, it doesn't have to be expensive because I think sometimes we think of a date, we think of going out in this fancy restaurant and paying so much money. Sometimes Wela and I just walk outside the estate, go to some Maindi Choma, you know, eat some Maindi Mutura, walk back home, you know, and we've bonded. So I think what you can do is that you can have those small, small dates and then probably like at the end of the month, you can have that big one. Yeah, psychologists say that for a couple to be to grow, to grow and to be, to stay emotionally connected, they, they need at least 90 minutes a week together. 90 minutes a week. So it can be one off or it can be spread out, but for 90 minutes a week, they need to be together. 
to have time for themselves, not talking about children, not talking about business, just the two of you, just enjoying your company. So there's that. Yeah, thank you for that. So we can have a final word from each couple, and then we conclude. I think for us, we're going to make this quick. Um, it's a privilege that God has given us mm -hmm. to be called his children. And in so doing, as um, the book of Ephesians says, he has blessed us with all spiritual gifts that pertain to life. And so I want us to really look at all these things from the perspective of eternity. Marriage will, marriage will come and go once we leave this earth. But if our perspective is not in eternity, then it will count for nothing. And therefore, even as we pursue all these things, let us have that view of eternity, that we could have all these things here. Our lives are quite short, as the book of Psalms says. But having that perspective of eternity in terms of what we pursue will really help us to number our days on earth. And therefore, we also pray for you that God may lead you. God may grant you the desires of your heart for those that desire marriage. And for those that do not feel like maybe they are called into marriage, or they are called into celibacy, it is still okay to live a life without being married. I think that is important to say. It is still okay. It is also okay to live a life without children if it's not given to you. Marriage can still be complete. So that is our prayer for you, that God may really grant you that desire, but more importantly, give you the purpose as to why you're going into marriage and living your life with the view of eternity. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, I wish I went first. Because now this guy is so deep. Now how do I... I'll try, I'll try. So, listening to the questions that most of you are asking is, how do I know this is the person? How do I know about finances? How do I know this? How do I know that? So probably the simplest way I can put is um, Romans 12 too. I'll just read it quickly. And it says, do not be conformed to this world... but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And this is the interesting part. Eh? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may prove for yourself. This is the amplified version. So that you may prove for yourself what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Even the thing which is good and acceptable in his sight for you. So the journey I want us to encourage ourselves is it's fine. It's, it's good when we come to these setups and there are people who give you tips and the experiences they've had. But at the end of the day, you know what we've just shared is principles. How you apply it to you, it's only you and God who knows. So just cultivate uh, that lifestyle of always seeking the, the word of God, renewing your mind by the things that God is sharing, by the principles of God. And as time goes, it will be very clear for you to know this is the person I'm supposed to marry. This is the job I'm supposed to take. This is what we should do in this season. All right? So at the end of the day, just renew your mind 
by getting deep into the word of God. Slowly by slowly, you'll begin to realize that it will be easy for you to know what God wants you to do. Even in matters of romance, because some of you think God just cares about you going to heaven. God wants you to be romantic to your partner. And God can show you this one, don't buy chocolates, appendi, fanya yi. Right? God can come down to that very unspiritual thing, as you would think, and advise you on how to do that. So, yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been lovely. I really enjoyed just being with you guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also take this opportunity to appreciate the Mirukas and the Wamalwas for honoring the invitation to come and share with us on this critical topic on, on theme, on love and marriage. I also appreciate you, the audience, for making it to come, uh, being eager to learn, and also sitting from the time when we started until now. Uh, very much sorry for the time spillage. And uh, I really hope we have taken some key points and uh, they will be good for the next season of our lives even as we book a feet. Sindio? Yeah, may God really bless us. We also thank Waeni, uh, my co-moderator, for being available to help out in doing this. May God really bless us. So we have come to the end of our panel discussion on love and marriage, may God really bless us and help us to go and implement and build godly marriages for godly offsprings and to glorify, to honor the Lord God Almighty. May God really bless us. <laughs> so I take this time to invite Saji to give the final remarks and then and pray also. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, can I allow you to come this side? You can give them a, a clap as they. Ah, uh, we can do it better. Let's do a five factory. One, two, three.